It is Friday, 5.30 here at NASDAQ, and that can only mean one thing, and that is that Walgreens is open behind me. No, it's time for options action, and here is what's coming up on the big show. Yes, Carter Worth continues his pre-holiday lesson on how to accelerate through the energy sector. Then, Tony Zhang has a play to clean up your risk. But it could also soften any portfolio that's soaking in Colgate Palmolive stock. Finally, Mike Coe has all you Apple shareholders covered too, with a plan to squeeze a little more juice from the most widely held stock. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts now. And welcome, everybody. I'm Tyler Matheson. It is the story of the day. A U.S. airstrike takes down Iran's top military leader. The attack sending jitters through the market. Oil prices up 3% to their highest level since last April. While today's move was not off the charts, it could point to a bigger breakout coming. And Carter spotted something like this just a few weeks ago. We have now moved above that downtrend line. That's exactly what industrials look like and banks, the same downtrend before they came to life. This will not come to, bank, to life the way banks did industrials, but it has the elements of uh, legs here. I think you want to be long XLE, capture the whole group, even though it isn't a group, it's only, frankly, a handful of stocks. Energy stocks did not exactly follow crude higher today, but the chart master still sees a comeback ahead for 2019's worst performing sector. He's at the plasma to break it all down. Carter? I do. I mean, the, the, the contrarian play here is to look at this as the beginning of something that is a trade. And I think this current spike in crude is quite different than the impetuous one associated with the missile strikes on September 16th. A few factoids about the sector. We know that it's very small at 4.4%. That's basically the lowest it's ever been in the history of the data going back to 89. It's 28 stocks. Its market cap is $1.2 trillion, basically the same as as Microsoft or Apple. And of these 28, two stocks are basically half the weight, Exxon and Chevron. But let's look at the charts and see what we can figure out. So, first, it's waiting now. Right here, we're bound back to the level when Cisco was worth more than any other company in the world. We're below that. Energy's historical weighting is 9.5. We're never going to get there again, I don't think. But here, at this low level of 4 and change, I think we're going to move back towards 5.5%, 6% of the S&P. Individual charts on the sector. Let's put some lines in. No judgments by me, no annotations. Let's put some lines and judgments in. Is it a downtrend? It is. Has it broken above that downtrend? Here's your zoom. You're darn right it has. Let's draw the lines a different way. Has it come out of this sort of wedge to the upside? Yes. Can we call it a certain formation, a little double bottom? Yes. Can we call it a head and shoulders bottom? Yes. Can we put in our trend line and make the case that it has broken above the thing? Yes, it all implies higher. I think you want to be long this area of the market, and you can use XLE as your vehicle. You know, Carter, that, that was really interesting, and I actually even understood it. I mean, that was really good. Well, Carter's going to make his way back here to the, uh, to the big boy table. Mike, why don't you give us the trade that you see in what Carter just outlined there? Very interesting. Yeah, so I, I think a couple of things are interesting here as we take a look at the energy space. I mean, one of the things I think that's interesting is that for a long time, the bare thesis has been things like the China, China trade talks and things like that. But actually, the economic data hasn't supported that. The, our economy has been relatively strong, all things considered. And one of the things that I noticed today 
as oil obviously demonstrated some volatility, irrespective of whether the stocks, the underlying stocks, rose or fell, is the fact that implied volatility, the price of options on XLE did not spike notably. And I think they probably deserve to be a little bit higher. And so when we take a look at how to trade the sector, we want to take advantage of the fact that options are very fairly priced and could likely be supported if we start to see increased volatility in the space. That said, as you know, Carter was pointing out, Really, it's the two biggest integrated names that make up the bulk of this index. ExxonMobil is the preeminent integrated oil company in the world. It has trailed BP and Shell over the last two years. They have the benefit right now of having complex refining operations. That will benefit for IMO 2020, which has to do with the sulfur content of crude. So I think the way to play this, I was just looking out to April. The 60 spot 21 strike calls, those would cost you $2.65. Those are almost precisely at the money where XLE traded today. Here's the thing. If you get any kind of a pop between now and April expiration, you're going to have the opportunity to turn this into a spread or to roll further up. And, of course, if there is any kind of a meaningful pullback, you are hedged inherently because you only are risking $2.65 instead of the 60 bucks and change or so that it would cost you to buy a share of XLE here. Tony, you've been very polite, very quiet. What do you think? So, like Mike said, the implied volatility on oils, on XLE, is quite low. I think the call options are the right way to play, especially if you do have an escalation or even rhetoric of escalation in the Middle East with the current news events. The only thing I will say is that I do think that there's a concern that if you do get a spike in oil prices, that XLE may not be the vehicle that gets the best correlation. Right. You, I mean, obviously, you'd want to use beta, which would be OIH, right? Play right, the exactly. Shalom J. Halliburton. Uh, but one of the themes here is, independent of the spike in oil, the world all is thinking that yields are going considerably higher. That is consensus, and that is not my view. The yield on this sector, of course, at 3.8% versus the S&P at 1.8, and almost 5% in Exxon, all of which suggests that in the event that yields don't really move higher, which is the consensus, you're going to have that nice tailwind for this investment, in addition to the beta you potential. Mean the, income, the income. Right. That, yeah. I mean, that gives you a tailwind, a support for the, and the beta potential, if and as there's further escalation in the Middle East. All right. And one thing, you but, should, yeah. one thing to note is that X, uh, XLE's dividend yield is actually now higher than XLU. So if we do get, do get a shift into defensive, I do think that you get more into XLE than perhaps into XLU. Mike, you get the last word. Yeah, I mean, I think the quick point I would make is that Exxon, again, the biggest integrated oil company, has begun to, again, start making more investments in their own business. Historically, the time to buy their stock hasn't been when they've been buying the stock, but when they've been investing in their business, the fact that they're doing more of that, I think, is also promising. All righty. And moving on from uh, energy right now, Staples have been on a tear, the sector actually coming off its best year ever, but still underperforming the broader market. Call it the opposite sides of the aisle. Tyson Foods, the best performer in the past year, up 67% with beauty stocks, Estee Lauder and Cody, not too far behind. But then you have Colgate-Palmolive, which has lagged the sector, while Kraft Heinz, the worst performer over the past year, is down a whopping 27%. That's a, a, a soaking in catch-up. Uh, but Tony thinks one of these stocks is gearing up for a big staple smackdown. What's the name and what's the trade? So I'm looking at Colgate-Palmolive here because... I'm looking at a bearish opportunity here, looking at here in late October, this stock broke below its 200-day moving average. And not only did it break below the, the, 
the long-term moving average, relative basis has really started to deteriorate since then. However, it has recovered back up to that 200-day moving average just last week, but got rejected at that level. So this is a good opportunity, in my opinion, to start initiating a short. And if you also look on a relative basis, while the stock rallied during that last couple of months, the relative chart has actually continued to make lower lows and actually printed a new 52-week low today. So what this is telling me is that there's going to be a likelihood that this stock is going to continue to underperform the market going forward. However, the stock itself, the implied volatility is actually quite expensive. So to buy put options here are really expensive. So to help mitigate this, I have two strategies. First, I'm going to look at buying a put spread. I'm going out to February and I'm looking at the $70, 62.5 put spread. And I'm buying that $70 put that's costing me about $3.33, purposely buying a put that's in the money to help offset some of that high implied volatility. And then selling a 62.5 put against it to also offset that cost of buying that long put, collecting about 44 cents here, paying net net about $2.86, which brings my break even price to just 67.14, which is only about a dollar below the current price. And on this particular stock, I'm looking for a downside move, in, uh, initial targets of about $65 and potentially extended targets to about 62 because there is an earnings catalyst here in about three weeks. An interesting way, Mike, to reduce the cost of the trade uh, and maybe get more of the profit out of it. Your thoughts? Yeah. I, I, first of all, you know, implied volatility, how much options cost is a relative thing. And, you know, for some people who are watching, they might not think that the options in Colgate-Palmolive look all that expensive, but they are relative to how much the stock moves. These staple stocks tend not to move very much. So that's where Tony is basically taking a look at the options premiums. A quick thing I would say is, this is a stock that made about $17.5 billion in sales five years ago or so. It's going to do $15.5 billion full year probably this year. That's a pretty notable top-line decline. And I think that's really the story when you take a look at why this stock has performed relatively poorly lately. It, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, this is just not a growth stock. It is quite the opposite, in fact. Carter? So, so two things. Obviously, Tony's targeting that November 5th low, right, which is key, 64.75, technically to go there and presumptively break below that, but at least there. But the, the first thing uh, to talk about was relative performance. It's a disaster relative to the market, but that would be expected. The market's driven by Apple and Microsoft. More importantly, it's a disaster relative to its sector, meaning it is underperforming other alternatives, whether it's Procter or Coke. In fact, its relative performance to its sector is at 10 and 12-year lows. Bad. Headed lower. I'm looking for this, especially with earnings catalysts on... January 24th, I'm looking for that catalyst to break that 64.75 low down to about 62.5. All right, we'll leave that one there. So think about how to play Colgate-Palmolive, Tony's uh, argument there for that. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, check out our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Everybody's got Apple stock. But Mike Coe has a way to keep the returns coming, even when that stock is fully priced. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. And 
And welcome back, everybody, to Options Action. Wall Street getting sweet on Apple today. The tech giant getting a price target raised to $330, implying a new record high for the tech giant, both from RBC Capital and B of A Securities happening today. Shares of Apple more than doubled, more than doubled over the past year, and it was the best-performing Dow stock in 2019. Dizzying run, but if you insist on squeezing even more juice, out of this name, Mike Coe has a safer way to play with his call to action. Mike, it's all yours. Sure. So if any of you happen to own Apple, and there's a decent chance if you own stocks that you do, why is that? Because Apple is the most broadly held stock that we've got in the market right now. One thing I would say, despite some of these brokers' increased price targets on the stock, is that this thing is looking fully valued to me. It's trading about 24 times earnings. That's basically the upper end of its range over the course of the last decade or so. And I can understand that a lot of people think that this is justified by the fact that they've moved increasingly into services and that it doesn't have as much of a hardware element. Still, priced over the market for a company this size, that's something that we want to be aware of. Secondly, a lot of times we're looking to collect some yield on our portfolios, either in the form of dividends or in this case, by selling covered calls against it. And right now, the price of options is such that if we started to look at selling some calls, even with some upside, we're going to yield about 2% in less than two months. And that's a rate of return that I rather like. And we're taking a look at selling a call option so that you would still have more than 7% upside from the current price of the stock. So as we take a look at the stock price, we can, one of the things we can see is just how far it has come. But here's one of the things that you should pay attention to. The increase has been fairly orderly. So even if the rally in the stock continued basically up to around this 320 level in about 50 days, I'm going to be looking at selling a call option so that I can still capture some of that upside. And now we can take also a look at the valuation of the stock and just what I was talking about before. Here we are. We're taking a look at it trading well over 24 times earnings. We can see that you have to go all the way back to 2010 to see valuation multiples this high in it. And where did they go from there? They actually went lower. So this is a situation where the price of the stock could be fully valued. And finally, taking a look at the options, we can see right now that the price of two-month options is getting towards the upper end of the range. We want to take advantage of that and try to collect some premiums. So what's the trade? I was looking out to February. You could sell the 315 calls when I was looking at this earlier today for about $6. And let's just call the stock 300 to keep the math easy. If you own it at 300 that $6 actually gives you a little bit of protection if the stock should fall somewhat from here because you're collecting about 6%. On the other side, if the stock does continue to go higher, you're going to capture all of the gains in the stock up to 315 plus the $6 in premium. So this is a situation where between now and February expiration, you have the opportunity to make as much as 7.3% on the upside. You're going to mitigate some of your downside risk. And if the stock simply goes sideways from here, you're going to collect 2%, which is a nice attractive yield over the course of the next 50 days or so. Tony, what do you make of that? So I think Mike's being a little tactical here with the stretch valuations of Apple because the research that we do here at Options Play usually suggests selling a slightly higher cover call here. So Mike has chosen about a 30 delta cover call, meaning there's only about a 30% chance that Apple will be above that 315 strike that he selected by the February expiration. Normally we would go a little higher, about 325, but because of these stretch valuations, despite the strong fundamentals, he's choosing to be a little bit more tactical, selecting a lower strike, collecting more yield here. He still has about 6% upside before the stock gets called away. So I really particularly like this strike. 
Carter? I mean, look, it, it's a juggernaut. What's remarkable, a couple of things. One, being up 86% is nowhere near its best year. Two years in its history has been more than 200. Five years up more than 100, 150. But what we do know is this, that Apple is fast approaching a 5% weighting in the S&P. And if you look throughout history, General Motors was able to do that. Big Steel, U.S. Steel at its height, IBM was able to do that. Even Exxon at one point. You never get much more than 5%. Almost gets <laughs> the, the, the point the where... The tail of those the, stocks of that you those just stocks, mentioned. Even is, GE got close. So that yeah. we're reaching the point where take profits, trim. Is it steep? Is it overbought? It's all of those things. Take some measures, uh, and options is a great way to do it. You know, Mike, one of the things you pointed out there that I, you know, for many, many years, as you implied there, Apple was a value-priced growth stock. In other words, it's sold at below the market multiple. And you just pointed out that it's now above it. Yeah, I think that's quite in, you know, a significant fact. And here's something else that I think is kind of interesting. Let's take a look at what the value of this company would have to be by the time it would get called away from you here, okay? So that would rec- represent more than a 7% increase. We're talking about an increase in the market capitalization of Apple over the course of the next 50 days or so of $100 billion. That would actually be a larger increase in just this one company's market capitalization than the majority of constituents of the S&P 500 right now. That's a lot to ask of any company. And, of course, we have a lot of reasons to think that as good a company as it is, maybe it's going to hit the pause button. Or even if it doesn't, you still get to capture some of that upside. So the question investors ought to be asking themselves is, if I was going to try to collect more yield on a stock that I own, doesn't this look like a good opportunity to try to do that? Carter, any broader thoughts on technology after what was, by any account, a a spectacular year? Well, what it really gets down to is the market is so dependent on a handful of names. Right? The top five stocks are basically more than the bottom 300. You throw Berkshire in there, and you're getting more than the bottom 320. Microsoft and Apple right now, as a combined weighting in the S&P, are fast approaching 10%. That is higher than any time in the history of those two stocks as a basket. And they are, quote, over-owned, so to speak. At some point in any great trajectory, you have givebacks, and givebacks come out of nowhere. I would say it's and they can be painful and they can be painful. All right, folks, we're going to leave it there. Coming up, one beaten down Dow stock seeing a bit of a rally of late. And we'll tell you why that is good news for one of our traders. Plus, it's Friday. So you know what that means. Send us your burning questions to our Twitter handle at Options Action. And I might just let one of the traders answer it on air. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Options Action. Last week, Tony said there could be some big gains brewing in small caps. We've gotten a breakout on an absolute basis, but we've also started to get a breakout on a relative basis. If we look at a chart of the IWM against the broader market, it's underperformed over the last two years, and it's really started to bottom over the last few months. So I'm looking here to sell the January 164 puts, collecting about $1.32. This allows me to purchase IWM stock if it's below 164 by the January expiration. All right, since the time of the trade, the IWM small cap ETF down slightly, but still above that break-even line. So, Tony, what do you do from here? So I, this trade is working out exactly the way I expected to. I'm looking for IWM to move lower a little bit towards that 164 level. The reason I sold this put is because I would like to own this stock going into 2020. So if this stock goes below 164, I own it at 162.5 around that level, which is, a, which is a level that I'm comfortable owning this stock at. Mike, any thoughts on this one? 
Yeah, no, I think this is the right play here. I mean, one of the things that we have is the advantage of low options prices. And when you do have low options prices, then you should be a net buyer of them and make your directional plays that way, I think. All right. Two weeks ago, Mike and Carter said one Dow stock was gearing up for a breakout. Textbook rounding bottom. You could also call it a head and shoulders bottom of sorts, meaning any way you cut this. And it's this dip back that should give you the pop all setting up quite well. This is the dog of the Dow pick for me. Bye. You would actually be buying WBA here at about 58 and a half bucks. And then to enhance the yield still further, you would look out to January and sell the 60 call for a dollar and 20 cents. So Walgreens is up nearly 2% since the trade. So, Mike, what do you do here? Yeah, this is basically setting up perfectly for us. The whole idea is you want to own the stock that has a high yield and try to enhance that yield still further by selling a call. That's a bet that it's going to make an orderly progression higher. That's exactly what it's been doing since we put this on, and I would obviously have to defer to Carter on the technicals from here. Right, very much I think we're in a good spot. We've got time, and the the bottoming out action is in place, and day-to-day the relative performance is tremendous. So. Stay the course. Stay the course. And Walgreens right there. I mean, yeah. Over. So you can just, you know. You just step get, on over. Remind yourself. Remind yourself yeah, of the, how well this trade right. is doing. All right. Up next, your tweets and our final call. Welcome back to Options Action, everybody. It's time to take some of your tweets. And our first tweet comes from Jordan. He asks, with Monday's, with CES, that's a consumer electronics show on Monday, what do you think of AMD 49 strike calls for next week, Mike? Yeah, so I think it's interesting, you know, when you have a catalyst like this, one of the things that typically follows is higher options prices. The options market's implying a move of about 3% for AMD next week. Usually, I prefer to buy longer-dated calls, give myself more time for things to play out, because this is really a binary bet. All right, our next tweet comes from Josh, who says he's right here in Times Square. There are about 10,000 people here, so we're not sure exactly who he is. Uh, He's watching the show from downstairs, and he asks, thoughts on how to play snap calls into the first quarter, Tony. So I think this is pretty constructive. The stock, the stock has moved significantly higher over the last couple of weeks, broke out above that 1550 resistance level. I think this thing can continue to climb up to about 18. And that does it for us here on Options Action. Catch us back next Friday. Mad Money right now. <laughs>